Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Yes, we are back after the 4th of July weekend, and I am tired. It is 10.36 here on this Tuesday night, Tuesday, July 6th edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I know the show is going out on July 7th, but right now it's the 6th, and I am exhausted in multiple fronts. I am tired because I haven't been getting very good sleep lately, but also I just watched an amazing, amazing game. And for those of you out there listening to this, I'm sure most of you would assume, at least if you if you didn't know me, I'm sure you would assume that the game I was watching was game one of the NBA Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns. Giannis Antetokounmpo was back for the Milwaukee Bucks in this series. And to ESPN's chagrin, it was the two small market teams, Milwaukee and Phoenix, playing each other in the NBA Finals, so I'm very excited to see that. But no, I did not watch a single second of the NBA Finals. Congratulations to the Phoenix Suns on winning Game 1. As a kid, my favorite player growing up before Derrick Rose was Steve Nash. As I said, my great Nana lived down in Phoenix. I had a Steve Nash book. I had long hair like Steve Nash. I wanted to do the basketball like Steve Nash, but the problem was I wasn't very good. I did not possess anything near the talent that Steve Nash had. And my favorite little bit of trivia throughout sports history is that, hey, where was Steve Nash born? Because most people go, oh, Canada, because he represents Canada on the international stage or represented Canada on the international stage for basketball. Nope, false idiot. He was born in South Africa. So I would use that trivia Everywhere I went. Was it useful all the time? Not really. Would I randomly throw it in the conversations? Sometimes. Why? Because I knew I was smarter than everybody. It's like who scored the last drop kick in the NFL? Doug Flutie. Why do I randomly drop that on people? I don't know, but it's fun to drop. And I got tested at William Penn my sophomore year by our head coach, Coach Todd Hafner. We it was a special teams day. So me and the other quarterbacks, we weren't really doing a lot. We were kind of just standing around full pads, you know, looking good, you know, as you usually do. And Coach Hafner comes up after working with the ops lineman and asks, hey, we were practicing drop kicks. This is why it got brought up. We were just bored, not doing anything at practice, getting heckled by all the other position groups, especially the offensive line. And Coach Hafner comes up and says, hey, do you guys know who scored the last drop kick in NFL history? And the reason I know that, why it was Doug Flutie, is because I watched the game. It was Doug Flutie's last ever game in the NFL. You think me, whose first ever NFL jersey was a Doug Flutie jersey, was not going to sit and watch a Doug Flutie's last game in the NFL? Granted, it was for the New England Patriots. We will not hold that against him because his best years were in Buffalo regard. This counting the Canadian Football League, obviously, in the NFL, his best years were in Buffalo. Did he have Flutie flakes in the Canadian Football League? No. Was he called the Michael Jordan in the NFL? No, but he was in Canada playing in the Canadian Football League. But that doesn't matter because... We don't care. Now, Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, legends in Canadian Football League, legends in the NFL. Now, Warren Moon's a Hall of Famer, rightfully so. Doug Flutie is not a Hall of Famer, and some would say rightfully so, but a great quarterback nonetheless. One of the more exciting quarterbacks in the NFL. But yeah, those are two of my random trivia things that I would drop on people sometimes just to make me feel superior to people. So if you ever feel like, oh, man, Joe Schmo over there, or Mike Hunt is sitting over there making fun of you. He's just being annoying. Like his, he's just being annoying. We don't like this guy. Man, Mike Hunt, you're being real. <laughs> yeah, right now. So I'm going to try and shut him up real quick. Hey, Mike, sitting over there, probably sucking his thumb, shoving his fingers up as you know where, and just, you know, having a grand old time by himself, making everybody around him feel very awkward. And you go, hey, Mike, do you know where Steve Nash was born? And he would go, oh, Canada, because he represented Canada on the international front. And he would go, no, South Africa, you idiot. You flip him off and then moonwalk out of the room. Or if you're feeling a little more frisky, hey, Mike, do you know who scored the last drop kick in NFL history? He says, uh, 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 doesn't know. Probably blurts out George Blander or something, freaking loser, and goes, no, do it again. But this time, sprint towards him so he makes sure he sees it. Or do a nice middle finger gun thing like shoot them with your middle like it's so it's so cool you would own him and then go no it's Doug Flutie idiot and then do the middle finger gun thing and then throw on some shades and then take his girl out of the like yeah you know 
Man, these are little tidbits. This is how I became so rich and famous overnight, is because of these two little things. These two little trivia facts that seem very useless to the average person are very helpful. I'm making a very rich and successful podcast host, the host of podcast with your own name because you're super creative in your parents' basement. That's how you become just like me. <laughs> exactly. Don't you want to grow up to be just like me? As the great Eminem once said. But no, five and a half minutes later, no, we were not watching the Phoenix Suns-Milwaukee Bucks game. No, we were not watching the Cubs get absolutely shit-stomped by the Philadelphia Phillies. No, we did not. We have not done that. Now the Cubs are down 15-9, and nine, and the main reason why I wasn't watching the Cubs and Phillies game is because we don't have marquee sports. Because marquee sports sucks cock. And I would love to have WGN back because I have not... Now, this is something I, I don't want to admit, but I have to. Being a lifelong Cubs fan, I have memorized the words of the song Go Cubs Go and have made my friends of opposing teams sing the song to me in order to get back into my motorized vehicle to take us to wherever we go. So that's what you got to do to people sometimes. See, I'm giving you all these secrets that made me such a rich and successful podcast host. Make them do that. But there's literally a line in the song that says you can catch it all on WGN. What do you do now? You can't say you can watch it all on Marquee Sports. Have they changed the song? Have they disgraced Go Cubs Go by adding in Marquee Sports? I don't know. I don't know how to add it to anything. I don't know how to watch anything. And, yeah, it sucks. So, however, the Cubs are on ESPN. Now, granted, granted, <laughs> I don't really want to watch the Cubs right now. They're on a nice 10-game losing streak, soon to be 11-game losing streak, unless someone other than Javier Baez decides to show up today for the Chicago Cubs. So, you know, I mean, nine runs is nice. But uh, 15 given up is not ideal. And they are currently sitting third in the division, which is, you know, where I had them in my preseason rankings. And they gave us that little glimmer of, wow, we're actually a good baseball team. And then the pitchers realized, wait a minute, we pitch for the Chicago Cubs. And then they got hurt, or they just reverted back to sucking. The peak bats that were going ham during that really weird stretch where you swept like three teams in a row are now below average again. Now, granted, Baez having a great night tonight. Boosted his batting average up to 235. That's great. Great stuff from Javi. He was at 227 before the game started today. You know, big time numbers from Javi. Yeah, it's just not great. The Cubs leadoff hitters. Jock Peterson's leadoff guy, which is, you know, you let another power hitting left fielder go to another team. And I think he was going to be an all-star before he uh, strained his hamstring. But, you know, I'm glad we let him go. And I'm oh, I'm also very happy that we let uh you let what's his name? Nick Castellanos or something like that. I'm so super stoked that you let him go to the Cincinnati Reds. Not just a division rival, the most one of the most hated teams in baseball. Oh, we're gonna let him just go there and make one of the best outfields in the MLB with freaking Winker out of all people. I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine because we got Jock Peterson in a, what, what is Jason Hayward batting? A 198 and Ian Hatt batting 185. This is awesome. I'm so happy. Thank you for not re-signing Nick Castellanos and thanks for getting rid of Darvish's contract and getting nothing in return except for Zach Davies, which is a, I don't know, a B-minus pitcher at best, probably a B-plus at best. I'm sorry, B-minus might be a little rude. I'm sorry, Zach Davies, but... I'm just spitting facts. You're nothing compared to you, Darvish. <laughs> Got a lot of money off the table, but why, why didn't you get the worst contract out of there first? Why, why didn't you just ship off Hayward? You would have gotten the exact same thing that you got for Darvish. Like, why, why didn't you not get rid of the worst contract? And yet, we're watching Castellanos absolutely dick-slap dingers and just hit for just gruesome amount of averages. On the Cincinnati freaking Reds, and who just swept the Cubs, who have now overtaken the Cubs in the division. That's what happens when you go on a double-digit game losing streak. Yeah, it's fun. Now, I have said numerous times to some friends in confidence that sometimes I wish the Cubs were back to being bad, more so back when they won the World Series. Now, let me explain why I said that. It's because I'm real SOB when it comes to my favorite teams in sports. Like, I am a real SOB when it comes to the Cubs and baseball. Or, and a soccer. My bad. 
soccer growing up was not something cool that you walked around and had talk about with your friends at the lunch table. You had like two or three or four friends that watched soccer. Now it's uber popular. Now I'm very grateful that the sport has grown the way it has. I'm glad the MLS is getting a very nice youth development system. I'm glad the United States men's national team has very good young players. I'm really glad the United States women's national team is very, very good. I'm really excited that the world of soccer is growing exponentially. But the people that called it stupid growing up are the same people that are watching it religiously now. And it bothers me. The Cubs were garbage my entire life, barring like three years, and they still got swept in the first round of the playoffs by the freaking Dodgers and the freaking, oh crap, the Diamondbacks. They have not been good other than those years. And then obviously the infamous Bartman game against the Marlins. They've sucked. And then when they won the World Series, like, oh, here are all the Cubs fans again. Where were all you guys when they were losing, when R.S. Mendy Alcantara was the best player on the freaking team? Where were you when Kyle Hendricks watched his, walked his first two batters in the MLB on eight pitches? Where were you when Starlin Castro was awesome? Where were you when Brian LaHare and, and Ian Stewart were on the corners, not Rizzo and Bryant? Where were you when Darwin Barney was getting gold gloves left, right, and center, but couldn't hit above 200 to save his freaking life? Where were you when Giovanni Soto won rookie of the See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm a real SOB when it comes to these two things. Very in particular, very particular with these two things. Soccer and base in the Cubs. Very weird about that. But I did I I, I kind of said those things about the Cubs like, oh man, I wish they were back to being bad so all these loser Cubs fans could just like suffocate and go somewhere else. Not really. It was more of like in jest. It wasn't like I really wish this could happen because we are slowly becoming back to that reality of the Cubs being absolute ass and being the lovable losers again. The problem is no one loves the Cubs anymore. They all hate the Cubs. People that love the Cubs love the Cubs. People that hate them, there's no more lovable losers thing. That's the main plain and simple of it. And there's no such thing as lovable losers anymore. Everybody hates the Cubs. You either like them or hate them. Not as much like the Yankees, but people hate the Cubs. I think it's mostly because they're they're kind of arrogant and have been ever since that World Series year, the two years after that, where they got swept by the Dodgers in the playoffs, or borderline swept by the Dodgers in the playoffs, and still had that confidence, like they're the best team in baseball, and now these numbers have just started going down and down and down to where we can't pitch and you can't hit. The two most important things in baseball are pitching and hitting, and you can't do either. It's not a great sign of a winning team. And they gave you that little stretch of really good games, Patrick Wisdom was awesome. Bryant still looks good. He's an all-star. Craig Kimbrell looks back to his old self. But everybody else stinks. Javier Baez is Jack and Dingers. Good thing this isn't 10 years ago. Otherwise, Baez would be down in the minor leagues right now. Who cares if he's hitting 21 homers? He's hitting 235. 10 years ago, this would put him in double-A. Good thing he can hit homers, though. But Javier's... I mean, it's ridiculous to think that now because... Javi has that, if there's that glimmer of hope that Baez is going to go off and be one of the best players in baseball. And he has that potential. I talked to a friend a few weeks ago about Baez being compared to Fernando Tatis. He brought that up to me. And I said, it's not far off. And I'm before you start yelling at your podcast and before you start shutting off the show, let me explain. Baez has one of the highest ceilings in baseball. If he ever meet, reaches it, Lord knows. But when you have that, when everything is together and is connected and working for Javier Baez, there is not a lot of players in baseball that are better than him. And I will die on that hill. I'm not saying he's better than Fernando Tatis because Tatis can actually hit for average. Baez cannot at this point in time. He was trying to bat switch. He was trying to learn how to bat left-handed so he could be a leadoff hitter. That's nowhere to be seen anymore. But if Baez has everything going for him, there is not a lot of players better than him. And again, I will die on that hill. Defensively, there's not a better defensive shortstop in baseball. I know Fernando Tatis made that great play jumping in the air and catching the ball. I don't care. Paul DeYoung is up there as well as defender. Brandon Crawford is up there as well. They are not the same as Javier Baez. No one has a faster glove than Javier Baez. Now, Baez can have those little mental lapses, which, again, shows that he's not at that level of Fernando Tatis. But if it connects, 
If he's not doing that kind of stuff, there's not a lot of players better than him. And that's why I've been saying for over the past, I feel like, year, when the Cubs have their extensions, because you know you're going to blow it up after this year. The Cubs aren't winning anything. The problem with this year, I said this at the beginning of the season, it's a little different now, but if you didn't win this division, you weren't making the playoffs. That was my prediction at the beginning of the year. Because I thought the AL West would be a lot, or AL, well, the AL West, obviously, with the Dodgers and the Padres. I didn't think the Giants would be as good, but the Dodgers and Padres. And then the NL East, Mets, Braves, Nats, Phillies. Now, Phillies are killing the Cubs right now <laughs> up by six runs. Uh, one out in the bottom of the ninth. So we'll see if something happens from that. Contreras is up to bat right now. 10-15. to 15. So a good job there from the Cubs. Who scored for the Cubs? Oh, Robinson Chirinos. New pickup for the Cubs like this week. So good job. <laughs> great great success. 10-15. Uh, to 15. But yeah. They're going to blow it up after this year. Jed Hoyer got put in a really peculiar, peculiar situation of a, a team... That is not going to win anything, but not bad enough to have any sort of draft picks. And the thing that helped the Cubs out the most when they were winning, which, which I should say winning when they won, because they weren't really winning after that, was their farm system. You know who has one of the worst farm systems in baseball? The Chicago Cubs. They don't have a lot of great prospects coming up through the ranks right now. They have some good players. Marquez, the pitcher. Uh, Amaya, the catcher. There's something like Christopher Morrell, decent. But there's nothing like Baez or Brian or Schwarber coming through the farm system anymore. They just don't have that. Like Sergio Alcantara and Nico Horner are the, probably the two best prospects the Cubs have. And Sergio Alcantara, other than that really weird stretch, which coincided with the Cubs being very good randomly, is batting 183. I don't think he's put together... Multiple game, multiple hit games in forever. Now that's I'm not looking it up, so I'm not saying that's a guaranteed thing. I haven't looked it up. I was just saying that because that's just what it feels like. That's why I got sent down to AAA after Horner got called up. Sogard got hurt. Up comes Alcantara again. Will we see D Gordon come up to the majors sometime soon? Lord knows. But the I Cubs don't have any real prospects down there. They're all a bunch of MLB journeymen, pretty much. If you look at the I Cubs roster. And the people that are in the Cubs farm system right now, there's not a lot of young prospects. Ed Howard's going to be working his way up here pretty soon. The the player they drafted from, who's going to commit to Oklahoma from Chicago a few years ago, drafted him in the first round, shortstop, second baseman, hybrid, really strong arm. They called him, uh, what did they call him? Stick? No. Swish? Silk. They called him Silk because he's very fast twitched like that. He's a good prospect, but... There ain't a lot on there. It's a lot of journeymen. It's not very exciting to look at, and it looks very bleak right now. So with the futures of Bryant, I would look at Bryant mostly, coming off an all-star appearance. He's going to be the main guy. Just my personal opinion. I've said this for the past year that I think the Cubs will extend Bryant or Rizzo and Baez. I think those are the two they'll extend. You can get the most for Bryant. Baez has that little, like I said, Baez has that little bit of magic that will make you want to keep him, and Rizzo can't, it's against the law to have Rizzo go somewhere else. But Baez and Rizzo are my predictions for extensions. Even though Bryant is better than Baez right now, I still think Baez, which is weird to say as he's batting 234, yes, his batting average just dropped .001 just a little bit ago, is the... It's weird to say this, really is, but I think Baez is the face of the Cubs at this point in time. I think when you think of the Chicago Cubs, people talk about Javier Baez more. Just more of, again, the potential that's in there. I didn't think I'd talk about the Cubs for this long, but it's a very rantable subject. And I didn't even... We'll get to what I was want, what I wanted to start off the show with in a little bit, but the Cubs are just so gosh darn frustrating. Growing up a Cubs fan, you didn't have expectations. And then when you win one World Series, expectations change. I remember being a kid talking to my Nana and Papa about, oh, damn, I just see, want to see the Cubs win one World Series. The Cubs won that World Series, and now all of a sudden expectations change because you see the roster they have, and they're all in their low 20s, low to mid-20s. Like, oh, they should win World Series a lot. They should win a lot of World Series. Wrong. Didn't work out like that. 
Expectations change, teams get, fans get spoiled, and this is the result of that. Where you have a team that thinks they can still compete, that these players are right on the cusp of being back to what they once were, when really it's, it's about as good as it's going to get. This is the same stats they are all putting up last year. I mean, Kimbrell, again, looks really good this year. Bryant looks good, but nothing too dissimilar to what went on last year. I don't know. I, I'm not really excited for this offseason. It's going to be a very depressing offseason. I didn't think it'd really come to an end like this. And I know we're not even at the All-Star break yet. Well, we're almost there. I'm not confident, really, going in to the offseason. Cubs lost 10-15, so sick. Right now, in the standings for the NL Central, the Cubs sit third, 42-44, and 44, joint with the St. Louis Cardinals. Cubs losers of 11 straight. The run difference has now dropped down to minus 20. You have the Milwaukee Brewers who are nine games up and the Reds who are six and a half games up. And yeah, the Brewers have a plus 45 run differential, which is the third best in the National League. So I'm not really having a lot of high hopes for the Chicago Cubs moving forward. I mean, hey, they could put together another random stretch like they did earlier in the season, but losing 11 straight is not really ideal. You have... Barry, you're not winning a lot on the road, 16-29, and 29, which is the th- uh, fourth lowest in the entire NL behind the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Pirates, which are the three of the worst teams in baseball, two of the worst teams in baseball, in the Pirates and the Diamondbacks. That's not really a positive stamp on how good your team is. I'm scared. The spoiled Cubs fan is now out, and I'm not... Excited for this offseason. But man, I didn't think I'd talk too much about the Chicago Cubs. I wanted to talk about them a little bit. But here we are. Talking about the gosh darn Chicago Cubs who have a way worse run differential than the freaking 37 win Miami Marlins. Who have a plus 22 run differential. The Cubs have a minus 20. They've given up more runs than the St. Louis Cardinals whose pitching's been injured and erratic all freaking season. And they've just given up two more runs than them. That's ridiculous to think about with how good the Cubs pitchers apparently were recently. He gave up 15 runs to the Brewers, 14 runs to the Brewers, 13 runs to the Phillies, 7 runs to the Dodgers, 6 runs to the Dodgers. And then a lot of close games, 3-2, 3-2, 2-1, 2-1, But yeah, uh, three games where you gave up 13 or more runs? Oh no, that I didn't even include the 15 one. Four games. <laughs> you get back-to-back games. You have lost... What? 28 to 13. Back to back games. You lost 13 to 3 yesterday. You lost 15 to 10 today. And you lost 15 to 7, 14 to 7 in there as well. So that's, yeah. Not, not really ideal. You gave up 11 and 10 to the Miami Marlins. Now that wasn't in the same stretch of games, but still, you lost back to back games to the Marlins by a combined score of 21 to 3. Not not ideal. I don't know what happened. I was under the impression that this is what the Cubs were, that the Cubs were a very good team that were just hot to be hot. Turns out that's not true. Arietta is exactly what I thought Arietta would be at the start of the season. A nice, nice uh, throwback piece, but he hasn't been the same since he left the Cubs the first time, and he's definitely not... The same now. He's got a 6.3 ERA. 6.30 ERA. ERA. Not great. But yeah, that's all I really wanted to talk about the Cubs. I was I was watching. Hell, I was watching Argentina versus Colombia. Good freaking lord. I've got my Lionel Messi Barcelona jersey on. Now, my aunt went to Barcelona a few years ago, and I joked, she asked me what I would want for Barcelona. What would I want as a souvenir from Barcelona? I jokingly said, I'll take a Lionel Messi jersey. And she got me one. An official Lionel Messi jersey. It's it's an older one. It's got Qatar Airways on it. And it's the all-black one with the yellow numbers on the back. Great jersey. And I rocked it tonight for Argentina Colombia, which is what I wanted to talk about first. But man, when you talk about your favorite things that are close to your heart, it hurts. And Messi is close to my heart. Messi is one of my favorite players of all time, if not my favorite player of all time. Next to like, and this is going to, man, there's two different levels of class here, but Clint Dempsey's on there as well. 
but he is the goat of American soccer, so I'll, I'm fine with that. Clint Dempsey, Messi, Wayne Rooney, three of my favorite players of all time. And I could, I was telling my dad this. I could really care less if Argentina does well. I need Messi to do well. I'm tired of seeing him let... It's not... I hate saying this, but it's 100% true. His teammates have been ass since 2014. If you look at the rosters they've had, they've always wanted to compare Messi and Ronaldo's rosters over their success. And I love Ronaldo. Ronaldo's one of my favorite players of all time. And I'm it's cool that he just tied the all-time record for most goals scored in international level. Cool. 109 goals. Very impressive stuff. Does that make him the GOAT? No. If we're going off goal score, then Ali Dia was the GOAT before this. That means he was a better player than Pele, who scored 77 international goals, who Messi just passed, I believe. I think he's on 78 now. Like, just because you put up a lot of stats and a lot of goals does not mean you're the best player. I, I think most people can agree that Derrick Henry's not the best running back in the NFL. I think most people can agree on that. Just because he's lead the league in rushing yards. Like, I think most people... Now, I could be completely wrong about this. I could be completely reading the room wrong. I think Christian McCaffrey's the best running back in the NFL when healthy. That's just my opinion on the matter. People might not agree with that, and I'm expecting that because we are people and we're allowed to have different opinions from one another. I'm not going to crucify you for having a different opinion on that. Just because you put up a crap ton of yards does not make you the best player at in the world or at your position. Okay? Does that make sense? Just because Ronaldo scored 109 goals does not make him the GOAT. I've watched both of them my entire life. Messi's the GOAT. <laughs> End of discussion. I'm tired of hearing about the international trophy thing too because that's why I want Messi to win this Copa America. I'm very excited to watch Copa America for the final on Saturday between Brazil and Argentina. I recommend watching that as well. 6 o'clock on Saturday. Great watch. FS1. 219 on DirecTV. Don't know. Don't care about the other cable networks. But you can watch it on there. Penalty shootout. Argentina wins. Emiliano Martinez. Great in the penalty shootout. Dove the right way every time except for the third one, which I think was the one that went right down the middle. This tournament has teammates of Messi's that are actually performing. If you look at the teams that they had, the goalkeepers that they've had in this stretch, Sergio Ram- Sergio Romero, love him. Played for Manchester United, great backup. One of the best backups in the world when he was playing there. Keyword, backup. He was not a starter at any club for a significant period of time. And he has over 100 caps for Argentina. You don't need, you don't want backups Starting now, the United States has one right now, but there's a big gulf in a different... We're not playing with Lionel Messi here. <laughs> we're not competing for World Cup crowns at this point in time. I'm expecting Zach Steffen to move on from Manchester City and get a starting job somewhere else. But Sergio Romero was basically hunting down backup jobs. He went from Sampdoria's backup to Manchester United's backup. And now I'm thinking he's going to go somewhere else in the Premier League to be a backup again. I've heard rumors of him going to Everton... Is he going to displace Jordan Pickford? No. Should he? No. He'll be a nice backup to him. Should he displace him? Not at all. Then you got the 2018 World Cup. They rotated, I think, all three of their goalkeepers because Sergio Romero got hurt. Willie Caballero was a starter in the World Cup for Argentina. Like, this is the first time I can remember that Argentina had an actual starter for club start in net for them. Now, Emiliano, Emiliano Martinez has waited his time, gone through a lot of loan spells, and now he's finally got a starting job at Aston Villa and has reigned with it and performed great at this Copa America. The Argentina national team has been loaded with attacking players. You look at over the years, Gonzalo Higuain, Sergio Aguero, Carlos Tevez, Ezekiel Levetsi, Di Maria, Paulo Dybala, Mauro Icardi. Like you look at all these great attackers, they just don't show up on the international level. Nico Gaitan. Is there any more that I'm missing for Argentina attackers? Ever Benega? I, I'm, I'm naming all of them. I can't. When have they made a statement on the international level? Aguero didn't even play. I don't know if he's hurt or something right now. He's on the team. He's played in this Cove America. He didn't even play in this game against Colombia. I don't know if he's on a yellow card or suspended or hurt or something or resting. I don't know. 
Don't know the backstory of that. But Aguero and Higuain have not covered themselves in glory for Argentina. More so Higuain than anything. And rightly or wrongly, Higuain's been the main starter for Argentina up top over Sergio Aguero. Whether, whether you agree with that or not, their management's been garbage. They've had a lot of infighting in the roster. You saw that in 2018. There was the attack, the groups that Argentina had, the teammates of Messi's were not doing anything on the international level. We're not even going to talk about the defense. That's a whole nother talking point. If Nicolas Otamendi and Marcos Rojo are your two best defenders, you've got a little bit of an issue here. And that's been the situation for Argentina for the past few years. Martin Di Michaelis up there as well. Marcus Rashford ended his career as a 19-year-old. What? <laughs> there's there's not even... The defense is not great for Argentina. You've got a backup goalkeeper and Nicolas Otamendi as your number one center back. You've got some problems. Nicolas Tagliafico has been a very nice addition for Argentina. I like him a lot as a left back. But man, up until now, they have not had a supporting cast at all. Comparatively... Like, if you were going over the two teams the over the past however long you want to go, the the reigns of Ronaldo and Messi, would you take Rui Patricio or Sergio Romero? If you're stupid, you say Romero. You're going to take Rui Patricio. You're going to take Pepe or Otamendi? Are you going to take Ricardo Cavallo <laughs> or Marcus Rojo? Are you going to take Ruben Diaz or Martin Di Michaelis? Are you going to take Jose Font <laughs> or someone else I can't think of right now for Argentina? Are you going to take Rafael Guerrero or Nicolas Tagliafico? You're going to take Guerrero. You're going to take Jao Cancelo? Are you going to take Nelson Semedo? Are you going to take Diogo Dallo? Even Diego Dallo? You would take over Argentina's right backs. Other than Pablo Zabaleta, obviously. But he was even old when Argentina was competing for these World Cups and stuff like that. You look at the midfield now, or even back then when Euro, when Portugal won the, the Euros in 2016. Danilo, William Carvalho, João Matinho, Renato Sanchez. You would take them over the likes of, hell, I can't even think now, but Leandro Paredes now is a very good midfielder for them. Uh, Marquisio is a very interesting player for Argentina. At times, you didn't really know what position he was going to play. He played a lot of center back for Barcelona, played a lot of defensive midfield for every other team he's played for. Argentina being another team where he played defensive midfield for. And there was you could tell there's a little bit of a issue with, not a lot, but Marquisio was the captain of Argentina, and then they stripped him and gave it to Messi. So I don't know if there was a lot of tension there. I don't know the whole backstory there. I do know Argentina had a lot of infighting. The Dutch have had similar situations like that as well, which is why they have stunk it up at some tournaments, like Euro 2012, they missed the 2018 World Cup, stuff like that. You'll have tournaments like that where you have a lot of infighting, and it doesn't work out. And Messi, being very introverted, does not necessarily help with that, and that's something that he, I don't know if he needs to work on. He reminds me a little bit of Kendrick Lamar, where you don't really hear a lot about him unless you're listening to his music or he's got something out Messi doesn't really do anything outside of soccer or football. You don't really hear about him outside. You don't hear about his personal life a lot. You hear about Ronaldo a lot. Ronaldo and Messi are two completely different characters. Ronaldo is very me. Messi is... I'm going to just chill with my family for a little bit. Now, Ronaldo's a very... From what I could tell, Ronaldo looks like a very good dad. He's hanging out with his kids all the time. He just posted a picture of him and his son on Twitter today. But yeah, you would take Portugal's teams that they've had over Argentina's teams. Yet Portugal somehow won Euro 2016. I still don't know how the hell that worked out. And Ronaldo was hurt during the final. He got hurt in like the ninth minute. So it wasn't like Ronaldo is holding this huge trophy above Messi. Ronaldo didn't win the trophy. Portugal went in on a technicality that they expanded the tournament to the best third place teams. They were coming third. In a not very good group. And then squeaked a win against France. Still don't know how the hell that happened. And then this team now. This Portugal team would shit on the Portugal team that won the Euros in 2016. You look at the players they have at their disposal. Bruno Fernandes, who sucked in Euro 2020, to be fair. Bruno San or Bernardo Sanchez is there. Or, geez, I'm just combining people. 
Bernardo Silva, great player for Manchester City in Portugal. You got Diego Jota, who played on the wing, played very well in this tournament. Andre Silva, you had him coming off the bench. Jao Felix, disappointment in this tournament. I don't know really what to make of Jao Felix. I think I'm supposed to think he's really good. I don't know if I think he's very good or if he's just a lot of hype. I can't really tell at this point in time. Renato Sanchez, Jao Moutinho, Danilo Pereira. A lot of the players that were back from that Euro 2016 team, but strengthening the squad. It's ridiculous. And then the manager, been the same manager for a while now. That win kind of saved his career in 2016 because, good Lord, he was not covering himself in glory at all that entire tournament until they won that thing. I think they won one game outside of extra time or not in extra time or something stupid like that. I can't really remember. I could, I'm, I could be completely wrong about this. I'm, But Messi, to most... To, to idiots... Messi needs an international tournament to become the GOAT, which is why I want him to win this. Messi is one of the, is the, I almost said one of the, is the greatest soccer player of all time. There's no debate about it. You can compare him to Ronaldo all you want. It's not close. Ronaldo is a goal-scoring machine. Messi is an everything machine. Ronaldo was an everything machine at Manchester United and transformed himself into one of the most prolific strikers on the face of the planet Earth. Messi is an everything player. Ronaldo is a goals me guy. There's literally videos of Ronaldo throwing temper tantrums without getting a pass to set up a goal. You see people score for Real Madrid and he's throwing a temper tantrum. You can watch these videos on YouTube if you want. Like I watched Argentina versus Colombia today. Di Maria and Lorano Martinez are on a breakaway. Uh, David Ospina sprints out of his box. Terrible back pass by Colombia. Two on one. Di Maria plays it across the box to Lerato Martinez, and he plays it directly to the feet of the defender standing on the line for Colombia. This game shouldn't even have gone to penalties. Why the hell did that even not go in? How do you not score that? This is the stuff I'm talking about with the teammates of Messi acting weird, not performing to the level that they're performing at their club. Di Maria, another example of that. Lerano Martinez has played great this tournament. This is just a blip from Lerano Martinez. Scored a beautiful penalty in the shootout. But for the idiots out there that say Messi needs an international trophy, that's why I want him to win this. To me, he's the GOAT and has been the GOAT for a while. Dude scored 91 goals in a calendar season. He scored 72 in one season. Like, it's ridiculous. And he's not even just a goal scorer. <laughs> he's in every, he does everything. He scored 20 goals and had 20 assists, and people said he wasn't worthy of the Ballon d'Or because he set himself a high stand, such a high standard to where if you don't score 40 goals, you're not the best player in the world anymore. Even though he's one of two players over the past 20 years <laughs> at the time to have 20-plus goals and 20-plus assists. Thierry Henry, I think, 2003. And we're going to talk about how he's not the best player on the planet anymore ridiculous, stupid, shut up. And now he's responsible for nine goals in this year, in this Copa America. And he looks happy. There looks like there's no, it just looks natural for him now. There's a smile on his face. After the game was over, I told my dad, it's like, it's just nice to see him happy playing for Argentina. You, it, They brought it up in the broadcast. It looked kind of like it was a burden for him to play there. Now he's looking happy. They're playing well. They were killing teams up until this game. And they got some scares. Great goal by Colombia. Came out of freaking nowhere. Beautiful goal for them. But I'm tired of the people saying he needs an international trophy. I just hope he gets it. So those comments and internet trolls or whatever you want to call them can shut the hell up. Because they're stupid. They have obviously never watched him before. And the people, you know Ronaldo. Ronaldo's a lot more, or you can look at Ronaldo and go, I know him. Because he's out there. Ronaldo, I think, is the most followed athlete on social media. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he is. He's out there. He lets you know what he's doing at all times. He's a very, yes, player. It's all, look at me, player. So you know him. You can relate to him a little bit. You see what he's doing every day. I know you'll, we'll never relate to him because we're not at the same food, we're not same level of the food pyramid or the food chain, whatever you want to call it, the totem pole. But you see what he's doing. You don't see what Messi's doing very often. And also, I'm tired of hearing the conversation of Messi doesn't test himself somewhere else. Ronaldo's not tested himself anywhere. Every club he's gone to has been the best club in the country at the time. 
He left. He went to Manchester United. They're on top of the English pyramid. He went to Real Madrid, the biggest freaking club on planet Earth. Manchester United and Real Madrid, the two biggest clubs on planet Earth. Un- undeniable. Two biggest clubs on Earth. And then Juventus, the most successful club in Serie A, who has won, what was it, eight Scudetto in a row? And then they just came fourth or fifth and lost to freaking Inter Milan with Ashley Young and Alexis Sanchez? Manchester United rejects? Losing to them? With the pocketbook that they have? I'm tired of hearing that Ronaldo has tested himself. He has not. He has gone to the biggest clubs everywhere he's gone. He's not taking any risks going anywhere. And then Messi has just played at Barcelona. They've done pretty much the same thing. Ronaldo's not testing himself. He's played with the biggest clubs in each country he's been in. With the biggest checkbooks. Doesn't take a genius to figure that out. So stop with the Messi needs an international trophy because Ronaldo didn't technically win his. He played nine minutes in the final or something along those lines. Messi does not need to go test himself anywhere because Ronaldo hasn't tested himself. Yeah, he's played in other countries, but he hasn't tested himself. He's gone to the biggest clubs with the biggest checkbooks in every single country that were coming off of winning seasons. It wasn't like they were struggling fifth place or ninth place team in the league and go, oh, well, I'll help bring them back up. He didn't go to freaking AC Milan when they were struggling. He didn't go to Roma. He didn't go play for Atletico Madrid. He didn't go play for freaking Arsenal or Chelsea. No. And Chelsea, to be fair, was one of the biggest clubs at the time. But he was linked with Arsenal. He didn't go to freaking Liverpool or a freaking joke at the time. No, he went to Man United, Real Madrid, and Juventus. <laughs> he didn't test himself like the media would like, or the people on social media. It's not really the media, it's the people on social media, you know, who have the best opinions out there. That are telling you that he's testing himself, because he's he's not. He was a Ballon d'Or winner at Manchester United, left to Real Madrid, which is a, at the time, maybe not a better team than Manchester United, but you could tell they were working towards something because they brought in freaking Sergio Ramos. They brought in Kaka and Kareem Benzema that same summer, around that same summer. So you could tell they were building something there. <laughs> and he left and went the same time they brought all those players in. And he really tested himself playing with those guys. Oh, my God. Yeah, stupid comments. Stupid arguments. It's really stupid, to be 100% honest with you. So, yeah. I hope Argentina beats Brazil. I will be wearing my Messi jersey again. So, yeah. That's my only opinion. Again, Cubs, soccer, Messi versus Ronaldo. And this is sounding like I hated Ronaldo forever. Ronaldo was my favorite player growing up. When he played for Manchester United, he was the main reason I became a Manchester United fan. Him and Ruud van Nistelrooy. I know they didn't play together, but Ruud van Nistelrooy was on FIFA 2003. It was the one with Del Piero, Ronaldinho, and Henri on it. That one, I don't remember if it was 03 or 04 or 02. It's one of those ones. Those were my favorite. Ronaldo and Ruud van Nistelrooy were the two players that made me fall in love with Manchester United. Ruud van Nistelrooy because I could play with them and Ronaldo because they were the only team that was ever on TV. Manchester United was the only team on TV. They didn't have all these TV deals like La Liga on ESPN, Bundesliga on FS1, Premier League on NBC. You didn't have these. It was, you might catch a game this weekend. You might watch the Champions League final. That was it. So, yeah, that's my old spiel on the Ronaldo-Messi debate. But, yeah, Saturday at 6, Brazil-Argentina, very fun game. And then, finally, the Euros. Yes, a lot of soccer in this episode. A lot of soccer and then a weird amount of baseball that I did not expect we'd talk about today. But we had Spain versus Italy. We had the semifinals, Italy versus Spain, England versus Denmark. Very predictable outcomes thank you to that coin for <laughs> flipping seven times on tails otherwise i would have gone in belgium score was two to one i am the smartest person alive so if you bet two to one on italy that you're welcome i think i said two to one on denmark as well i'm gonna say you're welcome i'm not 100 sure if i did or not but i believe i did so you're welcome on that i did not i don't remember what i said for italy switzerland i might have said like two to nothing or something finished three to or i guess two to one technically because spain won on penalties and then England just absolutely shit-stomped Ukraine <laughs> for nothing. They look faster. They look, just look a thousand times better than Ukraine in that game. Not even close. 
It felt very good as a proud Swede to watch Ukraine get absolutely genetically jackhammered by England. That was awesome. But, uh, yeah, Spain, Italy. Italy won on penalties. Federico Chiesa has been amazing for this tournament for Italy. He's coming up with some key goals for the Italians. Scored in the 60th minute. Beautiful goal yet again for Chiesa. And then Alvaro Morata scored a beautiful passing goal from Spain. You know, typical Spain. But the difference between this Spain team and past Spain's team, they're not scary. People feared Spain. Like, they had so many players. Even though they didn't have a main... They had, like, Fernando Torres and David Villa. But there were times they just played with a false nine. Euro 2012, they played with Cesc Fabregas mostly as the false nine. They weren't always playing with the striker. And Fernando Torres, at that time, was not necessarily a feared striker anymore. He was playing for Chelsea, not Liverpool... Fernando Torres is Chelsea slash AC Milan. Fernando Torres. Italy or Spain is not feared up top. They pass it around with really nothing to look for. You saw that in the Sweden game. That was a telling sign for the rest of the tournament. Now, the fact they made it to the semifinals, good on them. But <laughs> every single game they played in the semifinals was after extra time. They should have lost to Croatia just on principle because of that own goal they scored. Switzerland, lazy, and then Italy. They played decent against Italy. I'll give them credit against Italy. That was a tough game for them, but they played well. Enough, I guess. Defensively, not great. Uh, they missed Sergio, Ram Sergio Ramos a lot back there. Eric Garcia being 20 years old and having to start in these Euros, good experience, but he's not ready for that. Pau Torres has not looked good at all this tournament. Uh, Americ Laporte's looked all right this tournament for Spain. Yeah, Unai Simon, as expected, very erratic. Great penalty saver. Played awesome against Switzerland. But error-prone, very questionable decision-making at times. Other than penalties, I don't really know what he does better than David De Gea. I mean, obviously, De Gea has struggled with penalties, but I, I, I struggle to think of what he does a lot better than David De Gea, other than being younger. That's about it. Pedri's awesome. They got a great player in Pedri. Started every single game this tournament. Played amazing in the semifinals at 18 years old. Played a great tournament. Easily should walk away with young player of the tournament. Easily should walk away with that. I didn't think he'd play a single minute in this tournament, to be 100% honest with you. You have the likes of Thiago and Koke in there that play that position. I fully expected those two to just hold it down there. Koke did. Pedri... Surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> and Rodri didn't start that much in this tournament as well, but it, Sergio Busquets, Busquets is a big reason why he's the captain. We said that in the preview video, that he'd play a lot just because he's the captain. But yeah, Spain's toothless up top. Gerard Moreno and Alvaro Morata played like garbage this tournament. Uh, Danny Olmo played all right. Fernand Torres looked all right. Uh, Iozabal, or Iozabal, however you say his name, Missed some massive chances for Spain today. Beautiful chip into the box by Koke. Fluffed it. And yeah, lost on penalties. Danny almost skied the first penalty. And then Murata took a terrible penalty. Locatelli took the first penalty for Italy. Not a great penalty. Murata's was garbage. And then the rest of them. Blody with an amazing penalty. No one's going to save that. Basically a courtesy dive out of... Unai Simon and Jorginho absolutely frozen. The top three best penalty takers in the world is stepping up to take one. He scored every... He led Chelsea in scoring all from the penalty spot. You're expecting him to miss a penalty here? Now, I heard some... Uh, Mauricio Sarri, who managed Jorginho at Napoli and then at Chelsea, saying that he deserves... He could win the Ballon d'Or if Italy win the... Uh, the Euros this year. Because Chelsea won the Champions League. Italy wins the Euros. No. It's it's not going to happen. I mean, it'd be kind of cool. I would love to see another midfielder win the, Euro, uh, win the Ballon d'Or this year. You had Modric win in 2018. I loved seeing that. I would love to see freaking Jorginho win this. But I'm sorry. I think it'll... I don't, I don't think he'll win it. I think it'd be cool. But I don't think he'd win it. If Messi wins Copa America, I think it's pretty much a lock that Messi wins it. Even though they didn't win the league this year. Wait, no, Atletico Madrid did. And see how Barcelona's been working now? We let Luis Suarez go because he's too old and then brought in Sergio Aguero, who's the exact same age. Logic of Barcelona and screwing themselves over with contracts to Antoine Griezmann, who's going to be let go pretty soon. So, yeah, 
Barcelona messing everything up. I don't have a problem with Messi having a problem with Barcelona, even though it looks like he's going to have a contract renewed at some point in the near future. But yeah, um, Italy, Spain, final thoughts on it. Congrats, Italy, making it to the final. Deservedly so. They've been arguably the best team this entire tournament, so I'm not surprised at all that they managed to go through. Spain, confusing selections. Thiago did not play well today. You could see the look on Luis Enrique's face half the time of just how frustrating it was for him to watch that. But yeah, Pedri covered himself in glory this tournament. I expect him to play a lot of games this year for Barcelona, much like he did last year. I think they said he played 52 games for Barcelona last year in all competitions. I expect him to keep being a key figure for Spain and Barcelona. They got a great player on their hands right now, which is what the expectations when they brought him in from, I think, Las Palmas. I could be wrong, but that was the expectation. They had a great talent, and yeah, it looks like it's going to be found out. That dude looks very, very good. I don't know what's going to happen with Spain's defense. I don't know if Sergio Ramos is going to be back in that defense or not. I'm not confident in Unai Simón. I mean, only in penalties. But Tim Krul's good at penalty saves. You don't see him starting for the Netherlands. I don't know. That goalkeeping situation is weird. David De Gea, does he deserve it? I mean, he's been in and out of club for Manchester United. He didn't look great in the 2018 World Cup. Didn't look great. Yeah, it just, just bad 2018 World Cup for David De Gea. So, yeah, I can see why, but it's kind of confusing. I don't know. But we got England, Denmark. England should win this game. England are the favorites for the rest of this tournament. Like it or not, England are the favorites. And I'll tell you why. I know what I just said. Ilya have arguably been the best team in this tournament. It's in Wembley. England should win this tournament. If we're being 100% honest, England should win this tournament. They haven't allowed a goal all tournament. Now, they haven't played a murderer's row of teams. I'll give them that. Even though they played Germany and played very well against Germany. For what they were facing, very well. And have played awesome the games after that. Killed Ukraine in that game as well. 4-0. 6-0 in these knockout stage games. Defense has been great. Denmark has looked good. Really good. They've got something working for them that's outside the realms of soccer or football. It's a lot of emotional ties in that, and that can really push a team forward, and I'm really excited to see Denmark in the semifinals as my predictions before the tournament set, even though I went off the prediction later in the tournament. But that doesn't matter because we had England, right? <laughs> Again, England should make this final, and realistically, England are the favorites for this tournament. With how good they've looked in the knockout stage, the fact that it's going to be played in London at Wembley Stadium, which is their... If they make it to the final, six out of their seven games they've played this tournament will have been at Wembley Stadium. The lone one coming in that 4-0 drubbing against Ukraine where they played in Rome. Other than that, every game has been at Wembley Stadium. Every single game. They're the favorites. Harry Kane looks to be finding himself again. Raheem Sterling's looked pretty good, other than that weird back pass against Germany. Uh, James Sancho finally started. I don't know if it was the move to Manchester United to finally convince Gareth Southgate that he deserves a starting spot. Luke Shaw has been amazing and arguably the best left back at the planet at this point in time. Harry Maguire's looked really good. Dorton Pickford's looked really good. There's been some questionable things for Pickford, but he has looked really good throughout this tournament. Yeah. England should beat Denmark. I'm going to say 2-1 to one in favor of England. Casper Dolberg will get a goal late. I think England will be up 2 nothing. Their guard will be let down. Denmark scores. And then Denmark starts pressing a little bit. And But England, hold on. I don't think it'll go to extra time. I'm pretty confident in that, even though Denmark seems to be very confident in themselves. I've heard Christian Eriksen has been invited by UEFA to be at the final. I know Denmark's going to be wanting to push for that. UEFA trying to remind people, we're a good organization, even though they've never been a good organization. Ah, <laughs> uh, UEFA. UEFA and FIFA, great organizations, great organizations. Same with Camel Bowl, same with every, every organization is great. We already talked about that in a couple shows ago, how great all these organizations are that run the sports that we love. Great stuff. But yeah, it should be Italy, England. I don't know. The, the game's on July 11th. We'll have a full preview for the final come Friday show because we'll actually you know, know what the final is. So we'll be able to talk about it a little bit more. We'll dissect the England-Denmark game when that game starts coming up finally. So, yeah, very excited for that. Uh, before we sign off, congratulations to uh, Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau on beating Tom Brady and Phil Mickelson in that golf-off thing. And I like that Aaron Rodgers has been toying with the media on, I don't know who's going to be starting week one for the Green Bay Packers. 
Because the if you look at the quotes, it's like, oh man, I don't know who's gonna be starting for the Green Bay Packers. That's what it looked like. But he's laughing in the the clip that I saw on social media. So I'm really cool with with whatever Aaron Rodgers does, whether he plays for the Packers, whether he plays for the Broncos, whether he plays for some other random team. I don't care. I'm not a Packers fan. I like watching Aaron Rodgers. Could I care less where he plays? Yeah, don't he can go wherever he wants, other than New England and the Jets and the Dolphins. Other than that, don't really care where he goes. He just can't go to those teams. Hey, go to the Raiders, he can go to the Broncos, he can go to, I don't know, what other teams should I not care? He can go over the Vikings. I don't care. The Bears, I mean, if the Bears trade for Aaron Rodgers and they just drafted Justin Fields, I don't know what that, that'd be weird. But, yeah. Don't care where he goes. I think it'd be cool to see him go somewhere else. I'd like to see what Jordan Love and Blake Borrell's tandem could do in Green Bay. Maybe they've got something good in Jordan Love. But at this point in time, I don't think a lot of people are too confident and what they've got going for them. Yeah, I don't know. The trade-up is a very weird thing. I get the the age thing with Rodgers and Favre being the same age at the same time when they need to draft a quarterback. But the difference is Favre was contemplating retirement like every other day. Rodgers has not and just went to the NFC Championship game. Or not, no, not at that time, but or maybe he did. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah, because that was Jordan Love's rookie year last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back-to-back MVC, jeez, eh, NFC Championship games. Then won the MVP. Doesn't look like he's planning on retiring anytime soon. You told him you were going to trade him. You didn't. And now we're stuck in this awesome situation. So, yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Green Bay. I mean, I don't know how many other organizations could have two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, come away with two Super Bowls in 30 years. I don't know how the hell that's even possible, but hey, you managed it. Great job. Like, I remember thinking about, oh, what's a better follow-up, Steve Younger to Joe Montana or Aaron Rodgers to Favre? Well, just count the rings, baby. <laughs> just count just count the rings. It's not really that competitive. Joe Montana, the second greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, that kind of narrows the debate down there. <laughs> <Doesn't it? laughs> Talent-wise, yeah, Rodgers and Favre would be number probably near the top of that list, talent-wise. But actually, Montana's number two, Brady's number one, Manning's three. And then you can debate the rest of them. Brady, Montana, Manning, rest of them you can debate however you want. That's the top three. I don't think there's any debate in the top three. You can put the rest of them wherever the hell you want, and I'll be perfectly fine with that. Whether you want Breeze, Marino, Favre, Rodgers, Steve Young, who I think started to get a little bit more credit than what he does in the span of NFL legends. John Elway could be up there as well. So yeah, Jim Kelly. Josh Allen, if you really feel frisky about it. Yeah, Josh Allen is the lowest check down rate in the NFL since 2018, but that's whatever. Josh Jacks, get you a box. So yeah, I think that's all I've got for you on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I think. Do I have anything else? No, I don't think so. I just saw another thing on social media that said, where will Jack Eichel end up? Lord knows where that dude will end up. All I know is, and I'm pretty confident saying this, he ain't going to end up in Buffalo. I'd be shocked if Jack Eichel wound up a Buffalo Sabre at this point next year. (laughs) If he ended the season next year on the Sabres, I'd be absolutely shocked. My gut says somewhere out west. I don't think the Sabres would be stupid enough, but then again, I forget I'm dealing with the Buffalo Sabres, to trade him on the East Coast. I think he's going either to Ducks or Kings. That's my gut feeling on the whole matter. Would not be surprised if he went somewhere like the Wild. The Rangers have been very heavy talks or have been heating up their interest in Jack Eichel, but I really just can't see that happening. Can you? That can't happen, can it? Can the Buffalo Sabres really be that dumb to trade Eichel in the division? The sad answer is yes, they can be because it's the Buffalo Sabres. And yeah, you got a franchise player in Jack Eichel. Would this have been different if they won the draft lottery and drafted Connor McDavid? Lord knows. I don't really think so because you look how good Edmonton's been since McDavid's been there. I mean, they got draft side of McDavid. Rest of the team is pretty ass. So yeah, with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. And uh, yeah, hope you have a good Wednesday. Make sure you tune in to England versus Denmark. Should be a fun one. Catch it on ESPN. I believe the game starts at 2. Could be wrong about that. Might as well double check it while we're here <laughs> so I can make sure I give you the right during time. I know it's tomorrow. 2 o'clock on ESPN, so make sure you tune in that game. Gold Cup starts Sunday for the United States. They're taking on Haiti. Haiti beat Bermuda. 4-1, to one, I believe, was the score in the play-in game. So United States versus Haiti in their first game of the Gold Cup. Very excited to watch the Gold Cup as the rest of the tournaments die down. It's Copa America and Euro, Euro, Euro 2020 end. 
the big tournament. <laughs> they're like prelim. They're like prelim tournaments. Copa America and Euros. <laughs> not nothing compared to the Gold Cup. Jeez. Put some respect on the Gold Cup's name. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll end the show. Have a good rest of your day, and I'll see you all later. Peace.